Local news, talk, sports, and the hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Kane 107.5. Welcome to Bayou Sports here on a big Monday morning, August the 8th. Uh, today, a little Major League Baseball, of course, the Saints. Uh, we'll have a uh, head football coach uh, from Westgate High School, Ryan Antoine, on at the 7.30 p.m. hour. Also, some college football recruiting and today in sports history to follow up our show. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Jeff, uh, my cards take down the Yankees three times over the weekend. and uh, I saw a good portion of that series. Um, Matt Carpenter, one of the things that stood out to me is that Matt had a pretty good weekend, but St. Louis fans didn't forget his contributions in yeah. St. Louis and a lot of uh, recognition for him there. Yeah, it kind of brings you a little chill. You know, I'm sure Cub fans would feel the same way if one of their old stars, uh, whether it be uh, – if Ernie Banks or Ron Santo had moved on, or even for that matter, uh, uh, coming back home, uh, we all thought that Willie would be uh, traded. <laughs> he maintained. He got a standing uh, ovation. He too did. On That's Friday. right. Uh, Welcome back, kid. Uh, <laughs> just strange, you know. But uh, you're right, Carpenter. Uh, and you know what? I really uh, you appreciate it. It's when the catcher steps out in front of the plate and kind of walks to the mound to uh, give the and to let the umpire know we're going to give him a few yeah. moments here. And uh, that's always one thing about baseball that's pretty neat, that the, the fans can acknowledge uh, Carp. And uh, he, yeah, he had a decent weekend. Uh, I, was, I was fearing that, uh, boy, a lot of times um, <laughs> I missed a home run. Judge came up a few times with the bases loaded. And uh, late in the game yesterday, they struck him out. But uh, he singled, knocked in a couple runs. And uh, he, he didn't knock the ball out the park, though, uh, Anyway, the LSU, Matthew, uh, uh, Ma- not Matthew, but uh, oh, the first baseman for the Yankees, uh, his name. LeMayhew. LeMayhew, who played former in LSU. Cub. Yeah, former Cubs, Cub. Cubs drafted him out of LSU, and he was one of those rebuild trades. I forget who the Cubs may have gotten for him, whether or not it worked out, but he was one of the, the sacrificial lambs when the Cubs were rebuilding. Uh, the Rizzo trade came about, and... And they draft Bryant, and uh, the rest is history. I, but well, I want to say uh, he played in Colorado for he a did. couple he, years. I think that's where he went from Chicago. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, a fine player for the Tigers, too, back in the day. Oh, uh, no doubt. I, I think he played on that LSU team in 08, that 09, that won the national perhaps, championship, perhaps. I think. Anyway, uh, plays first base for the Yankees. Had a pretty good uh, weekend, too. Uh, for the Yankees, but uh, the Cards are uh, on a seven-game winning streak right now, and uh, right now uh, everything's... And, and the Brewers faltering a little bit, too. That's right. So. Can you believe they trade their best, their closer still for closer? I'm scratching my head on Yeah, that. I don't understand that at all. Uh, not unless his contract... Unless they're tired of the hair, which, quite frankly, might have done it for me. Yeah. You may have sat there and said, Josh, really, cut your hair. I, I got to trade you. I can't stand looking at it. <laughs> anyway... Uh, so, uh, basically, the standings... Uh, and, and you're talking to a guy who didn't cut his hair for 14 months during COVID. <laughs> and it, my hair was fairly long, but it wasn't that long. No, you're right about that. In the meantime, uh, Major League standings, of course, in the American League, the Yankees still lead by nine and a half games over Toronto, even though they're, they've uh, lost five in a row. They're four and six in their last ten. Uh, meanwhile, in the Central, Minnesota's holding on to it uh, barely. Had a controversial play at the plate yesterday with uh, Minnesota in their game uh, where the catcher caught the ball and with the, the manager was saying he was blocking the plate. And they called him out, but they reversed the call later, I think. Uh, in you that you can block the plate if you have the ball. Absolutely. It's, it's waiting for the ball. That's you correct. You cannot necessarily block the plate. That is correct. And, and that's it, a bit of a rule tweak uh, yeah, from it is. a few years ago. But uh, in the meantime, uh, Minnesota has a one-game lead over the uh, – over the Guardians, uh, the White Sox are two back, and Kansas City, Detroit, uh, pretty much out of it. In the West, Houston. Houston's firing right now, uh, even though they lost their last two. They're 5-5 five and five over the last 10. They're 70-40. and 40, Pretty yeah, impressive. Unusual one to nothing loss for a team with that kind of offense. Yeah, Against you're right Cleveland, about that. Um, somewhat struggling. Uh, I'm, I'm going to blame it on starting at 11 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, Seattle's 11 back of them, and uh, you can say they're pretty much uh, – out of it right now. Elsewhere in the National League, uh, the Mets 
uh, who have the I, I want to say the the Dodgers have the best record in the National League, but the Mets are not far behind them. They're, they're playing at about a 64 percent win percentage. They're 70 and 39. They're six and a half over Atlanta. And I want to say they swept Atlanta over the weekend, too. I know they had won the first three games. I didn't see yesterday's final, but I know a buddy of mine who's a Mets fan was pretty elated about the sweep Saturday evening. We were at uh, family birthday, but uh, let's see. Let me see if I can get a quick look uh, here. Again, New York. Uh, where the heck uh, are Yeah, Mets uh, picked up a 5-2 to two win. Yeah, so they sweep them. Anyway, in the meantime, Philadelphia is nine and a half games back. Over in the Central, the Cards uh, maintained a uh, two-game lead over Milwaukee, who have lost two in a row. The Cardinals have won seven in a row. They're nine and one in their last ten. The Brewers are four and six. Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and the Cubs all fighting for trying to stay out the cellar. Elsewhere in the West, the Dodgers, uh, 15 and a half game lead. I mean, after basically an eighth of, uh, you know, two thirds of the season is basically over. They've played 108 games. That's 54 three times is 162, and 108 is two thirds. So two thirds of the season is basically over for most teams. And uh, the Dodgers with a 15 and a half game lead, they've won their last eight. They're nine and one in their last ten. They're 75 and 33. They're kind of taking the Yankees' place right now. Uh, with the Dodgers, of course, in the wild. Well, I'll say this about the Dodgers and Padres. Uh, the Dodgers sweeping the Padres. saw one headline where the Padres were not at all concerned about being swept. And I, I've told my friend who's a San Diego fan, I've talked about that. Uh, he's been concerned that there are maybe 11, 12 games back of the Dodgers, and that was heading into the series. And I said, don't be worried about the Dodgers. They're going to win that division. Just worry about the wild card and doing the best you can as far as wild card seating. But I would be concerned that you get swept by the Dodgers because at some point you're probably going to see them in the postseason and you've only won two of ten games against the Dodgers. You better find a way to beat them. You're right about that. And right now uh, in the American League, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Seattle, along with Baltimore, Cleveland, and uh, the White Sox, Boston's five back of the wild card. You know, the three division leaders automatically make the playoffs. And uh, right now, um, that's how it looks in the uh, American League. Over in the, the National League, the wild card uh, in that regard. I'm trying to pull that. There you go. Uh, basically, Atlanta, Philadelphia, San Diego, along with Milwaukee. Uh, the Giants are six and a half back. Miami, ten and a half. Uh, they got a lot to do to uh, their Miami's ten games under 500. But Atlanta, Philadelphia, San Diego, Milwaukee. Along with the Giants, even at six and a half back, they're two games under 500. They still have an outside shot. So three division leaders automatically go along with three wild cards in each league. And uh, we'll see how that play out in the last one-third of the season. So, uh, And keep in mind, all three wild cards could from, come from the same division. That's correct. And that is correct. I know the American League East at one point looked like that could have been the case. A couple of teams have faltered since, but... Again, um, hopefully a good August and September in Major League Baseball uh, pennant races. Yeah, you're right. Uh, switching over to the Saints here. Uh, you know, the uh, Saints, you know, they signed, uh, you know, they're looking for running backs. And Abram Smith, uh, the young man from Baylor, I didn't realize how much the Saints paid an unrestricted, an un- I should say an undrafted free agent. They paid him close to $220,000, which was the highest uh, payout to any uh uh, undrafted uh, free agent, and uh, the young man out of Baylor ran for over 1,600 yards last year. The Saints uh, so far liking uh, what he's doing right now, Jeff, and a fine player, a fine pickup for the Saints, and uh, and with Dwayne Washington out, uh, and uh, who knows what's going to happen with Kamara. Of course, it's been continued uh, right now, and this young man, Abram uh, Smith put a big yardage for Baylor last year, ran for 1,647 yards. Uh, the Saints are liking what they're seeing from him uh, with regards to uh, rookie camp and all. They paid him 222000 in guarantees, which was the most by any undrafted free agent. While the high dollar figure doesn't guarantee him a spot, it was an early vote of confidence in Smith. So uh, Saints think a lot of this young man. We'll see how it will play out here through spring training. Of course, the Saints kick it off Saturday, I do believe, huh? taking on uh, Houston on Houston. the road at Houston seven o'clock I believe the kickoff Kiko Alonso we talked about him last week his return to the Saints uh, lasted a day and uh, right. apparently retired uh, word came out on 
Saturday that it uh, apparently uh, is a career for Kiko. Yeah, he uh, he hadn't played in two years, though. So uh, yeah, getting yeah. out there in the heat and all when you hadn't done that or didn't have to do that in the last two years. But I'm sure he was in some kind of shape since the Saints took a shot at him and put him on the 90-man roster, which is the numbers you can have uh, going into uh, – I guess the practice. Uh, you you pair that down throughout the postseason. Yeah. I mean, throughout the preseason, uh, and we're eventually down to fifty three as far as the uh, game day roster. But uh, yeah, Kiko probably wanted to give it one more shot and just realized. And coaching staff may have said something too uh, that said, "Hey, it, it's probably time." Yeah, that it is. That it is. So uh, I think we have a caller on the line. Yeah, let's go to the phones. Uh, Say hi. You're in the air. Hey, good morning. Uh, yes, I, I do take uh, uh, some uh, solace in knowing that at the age of 62, I will have played in as many Saints games as Pico <laughs> Alonso this season. Zero. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know they uh, signed him to a contract. Uh, don't know if it was incentive based. I'm sure it was. But being a veteran the way he was, it was probably uh, due probably a million dollars plus maybe some incentives, but. Getting out in that heat, uh, at, I think he's, what, 31, 32 years of age? Hadn't played in two years? Yeah, 32, yeah. Um, hadn't played football for three years now. So, I mean, it, look, I, I'll give him credit for at least knowing that his heart wasn't in it. I just gone through the motions and collection of checks. So, you know, um, it was a long shot to make it anyway. But they are really thin at linebacker right now. They have a Marco Jackson, uh, one of their uh, draft picks, hurt. So they only have five linebackers healthy right now, and that's uh, probably one or two less than you want going into your first game. So I expect them yeah. to probably sign somebody before uh, they get to uh, the game. All right, well, look, i got to go. i got my grandson on the phone. All right. To call I just want to wish Teddy Slime and a happy birthday today, okay? Uh, all right, we hear you. We hear you. Appreciate that. All righty. Okay. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Teddy, Teddy's birthday is today, huh? It is. It is. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, he, We're, we're going to make him work late today, too. <laughs> Chip shots tonight at 5, of that course. Is, that is correct. So, uh, anyway, uh, so we'll see what, uh, what uh, transpires here uh, with the Saints. So, as they ki- uh, kick it off uh, Saturday up in Houston, I think you said a 7 yes. o'clock kickoff. So, um, that should... Uh, Started off with the fans, so of course they've got a whole host of games Friday evening in there. And I even think there's a Thursday night game, I think, this week yeah. in the NFL. Yeah, I don't think there's a Monday game this week, but maybe next week. Uh, each of the networks, most of these games are regionally televised, uh, yes. locally televised, or uh, certainly um, like the Saints uh, coming out to Lafayette and Baton Rouge, and I'm sure there's network stations throughout the state maybe in Mississippi uh, and Alabama as well. But anyway, but uh, NFL Network, I think, has four or five games Saturday beginning at noon. In fact, the Bears and not sure who uh, it is, uh, but the Bears at noon, maybe Kansas City. Uh, but the Bears at noon and then um, one every two and a half, three hours. Uh, some will start in progress. Uh, but Saints at 7 o'clock, uh, I'm pretty sure those games have been on. KATC or um, their CW yeah. station, uh, one of the two. Uh, yeah, it might even be on uh, one of the Fox uh, local stations, too. No, no, it would be just one or the other. It would, uh, KATC, uh, again, a regional broadcast, not a network broadcast, um, the Saints well, television we, well, network. You know, Benson owns the Fox station in New Orleans. In New Orleans, they may be. Yeah, um, I wonder if that's where they'll get the feed. Yeah, probably. They'll, okay. they'll probably originate. Actually... Did they sell that off? Uh, I know they did. You're right. They used to. I know they got rid of. I'm trying to remember, they sold off one of those, but yeah. you, still maybe. And in New Orleans, it very well could be syndicated on Channel Eight there. Yeah. Anyway, you know, over the weekend, Jeff, uh, we had a Hall of Fame induction ceremonies for six players, a coach and an official. Of course, Leroy Butler, longtime Packer. They say he was the first one to do the Lambeau Leap. Not so sure about that, but. Uh, Anyway, he takes credit for the longtime Packer uh, who invented the Lambeau Leap after returning a fumble for a TD in 93. Also, uh, New Orleans Saint uh, and Carolina Panther Sam Mills 
a year before dying of cancer in uh, 2005 at 45, the former Saints and Panther linebacker coined the phrase. That remains the uh, Panthers' mantra is keep pounding. Uh, of course, the Dome Patrol uh, thought of as the all-time number one linebacking crew. Tony Vaselli, offensive tackle, the first Jaguar ever to be a draft pick to make the career cut uh, short of injury and ultimately becoming the franchise first Hall of Famer. Richard Seymour, uh, selfishness and versatility were integral to his Patriots' first three Super Bowls in one, three, and four. Elsewhere, Cliff Branch, who can remember his speed, the once raw college track star transformed into a star, retiring in 85 as the NFL's all-time leader in postseason catches, yards, and sadly, he passed away two years ago at 71. Uh, Bryant Young, the notoriously humble defensive tackle, finally in Canton, thanks to a push from the unexpected source, six former offensive linemen who openly campaigned for his for their old rival. Uh, Dick Vermeil, head coach of the uh, long time, the Eagles, and uh, also with the Rams and Chiefs. And his crowning achievement, the greatest show in turf back in 99 with the champion Rams and his quarterback. Elsewhere, Art McNally, first official, or one of the first officials, named the father of modern officiating. McNally was the first official enshrined in Canton, uh, pioneered instant replay, introducing it to the league in 1986. And uh, just emotional day for a lot of these guys and families uh, in that regard. So eight more inducted to the Football Hall of Fame up in Canton. And uh, I'm trying to think, I guess, in four years, uh, a lot of t- people will be traveling up to Canton because uh, Drew Brees should be inducted. No doubt. No doubt. And sometime in 2026, I do believe. Anyway, we'll see how that all comes to, to pass. Anyway, anything else, Jeff? Uh, now let's go ahead and take uh, our first break. Coach Ryan Antoine, the Westgate Tigers head coach, scheduled to join us after this break. Stay with us on Kane 107.5 Bayou Sports Returns. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880 or go to AnswerToPain.com. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there Thursday night for Southern Jack Productions, and on Friday it's Cajun Company for the best of the Tesh Red Carpet After Party. And the next day it's Classic Country Saturday night with Butch Bourgeois. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for the Saints and no bar with more outdoor seating. The Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's, now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Hi, this is Boxcar Bajlow inviting you to join me and PGA Golf Professional Teddy Slyman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m. we'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes. And we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, GolfBalls.com, and our local golf clubs, Eagle Ridge, Kangaroo, and Sugar Oaks. So let's make it tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Stream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. I'm Tony Landry along with Jeff Boggs, and we have a guest on the line, uh, Jeff, uh, Westgate head football coach Ryan Antoine. Good morning, Coach. Good morning. How's it going? 
So far, so good. We want to ask you, how does it feel to be a defending champ in 4A and uh, getting your kids out in the field? How long have y'all been practicing now? I could, I could barely hear you, Jeff. It's, it's static and real bad. Okay. Uh, he was asking about, uh, one, uh, it's been a heck of an off season for you. And talk a little bit about uh, that experience uh, after winning the 4A state championship. A lot of accolades uh, to your, you and your team. Uh, it's been, it's been nice, you know, deserving for our kids, you know, that's the biggest thing that I get for And, uh, so, you know, I was going to say, you, you and I both may be breaking up a little bit here, but, uh, you guys have been back at it for, uh, how long, uh, as you prefer, prepare for the start of the season? Coach, uh, we're, we're having trouble uh, hearing you, and I'm not sure if it's on our end or your end, but I'm going to hang up and try calling you again uh, if you'd uh, be patient with us, okay? Thanks. And again, uh, apologize about that. Uh, it is not completely unusual that we have this problem, but... Listen to the tones and figured out the phone number there. <laughs> well, the ring sounds good. Hello. Coach, uh, again, appreciate that. Uh, so far, so good. Uh, but, again, uh, what uh, can we expect returning players from last year and the impact you hope they have this year? Lost it. Sorry, folks. We're going to try one more time here. And uh, figures... And this first one, and I think um, we're not, I think, uh, we've scheduled conversations with coaches uh, each day this week through Thursday, and we'll repeat that throughout the season. Coach, uh, again, sorry about that, not sure uh, what happened that last time, but uh, we're asking about returning players and the impact you hope they have this year. Coach, we're going to have to let you go. Unfortunately, we're having a whole lot of trouble hearing you. Uh, I apologize, and hopefully we can work it out before we check in with you again next week. Appreciate it. Coach uh, Ryan Antoine, I know some cell phones we've had uh, troubles with this year, Tony. Yeah, we have. Hopefully we can rectify that. If not, uh, see if we can get them on a landline for these conversations. Most, Most of the coaches are... In class, uh, not in class, but uh, in school at that time. Yeah. So maybe they have access to an office line that. Uh, yeah, and with the steel and aluminum and all that around, uh, usually it tears uh, some of the calls. So uh, hopefully we can correct that within the uh, coming days, since we have another coach on tomorrow sometime, and also Wednesday and Thursday. If yeah, let, let's give you the schedule. Uh, confirmed uh, conversations on Mondays with Coach Antoine at about this time. And again, uh, apologize for uh, not being able to get that done today. But uh, tomorrow, Coach Terry Martin at about 8 o'clock. And on Wednesdays, it's going to be Coach Rick Hudson from Highland Baptist at about 7.45. And Nish's Josh Learman, uh, first-year head football coach, at about 7.30 on Thursdays. And we're still trying to get a couple other coaches uh, scheduled in line. 
and those will be throughout their uh, football seasons uh, until they're eliminated. We'll be checking in with them on a weekly basis. Yep, and uh, hopefully good luck to all our high school football coaches uh, and fans. Uh, you need to get out and support those young men and uh, ladies uh, and uh, support them throughout the course of the year. It's always good to see people out there uh, with these young people uh, giving it their all and uh, putting a lot of practice time and uh, sweat and tears uh, to play the different sports. So I um, ask you to go out there and support them when you can, whether it be family or not. It's always a good thing. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, some uh, Jeff, uh, just some lightning round types things. If you want to feel, oh, who young Kim uh a.k.a. Tom won his weekend uh, Wyndham Championship, becoming the first player born in the 2000s. Of course, he was born in 2002 to win a PGA Tour. Uh, before then, it was Jordan Spieth, I think, who was the youngest player ever to win a PGA Championship. Uh, also, uh, farewell to Sir Nick. That's right, six-time major winner Nick Faldo, overcome with emotion at the conclusion of his 16-year run as a CBS lead golf analyst and a single child. Uh, and I've uh, found at 65 uh, three brothers. So, uh, meanwhile, the uh, notables, as we mentioned earlier. Did he earlier, mention why he retired? Uh, didn't, didn't say that. Uh, I was trying to find out why, but uh, I guess just maybe a little burnout could be. I could be wrong. I'm sure the chip shot's this evening at uh, 5 o'clock. I'll have an answer to that. Elsewhere, notable sweeps. Cardinals become the first NL team in 15 years to complete a three-game sweep of the Yanks. The Dodgers swept the new-look Padres to firmly retain their big brother status. Elsewhere, uh, uh, Americans in England, that's a little soccer uh, as uh, the Americans take down uh, some of the English. Also, uh, intrigue, uh, trying to find some other things uh, in that regard in the lightning round. Uh, uh, Ladies, uh, WNBA is going at it too. Also, Pete Rose comes back to Philadelphia to celebrate uh, their anniversary, 40th anniversary. Of course, it was... Put off for two years due to COVID, and of course, Rose uh, always brings with him uh, <laughs> some habits, some of the uh, publicity. Uh. Did you hear about a question about uh, an allegation, sexual assault, some 50? In fact, um, Pete uh, dismissed questions Sunday about his first appearance uh, on the field in Philadelphia since the franchise scrap plans, as you mentioned, in 2017 to honor him because of a woman's allegation that baseball's Hit King had sex with her when she was a minor. That's right. Rose told a female baseball writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, it was 55 years ago, babe. He's uh, 81 now, declined to answer any other questions in the dugout moments after a team photo in the outfield meant to celebrate the Phillies' 1980 World Series championship team and other former players. Uh, the original 1980 anniversary celebration, as you mentioned, postponed because of covid the reporter tweeted later Sunday that after the ceremony, Rose asked her if he had offended her and offered to sign a thousand baseballs for forgiveness before <laughs> ultimately saying he was sorry. Rose also blew off another question from the AP after the ceremony about the allegation and his comment earlier in the day. Rose said, who cares what happened 50 years ago? Uh, you weren't even born, so you shouldn't be talking about it because you weren't born. If you don't know a damn thing about it, don't talk about it. He also Told reporters, I'm going to tell you one more time, I'm here for the Philly fans, I'm here for my teammates, okay, I'm here for the Philly organization, and who cares what happened 50 years ago, then went on the TV broadcast, cursed several times, and used crude locker room terms, including when talking about announcer and fellow former Phillies first baseman John Cruck, um, testicular cancer survivor. Rose made his first appearance on the playing field in Philly since receiving a lifetime ban from Major League Baseball in 89. Agreed to the ban after an investigation, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, uh, after initially getting booed lightly, Rose received a standing ovation from Philly fans. Many not live or too young to remember baseball's hit king in his prime when he walked into the uh, Citizens Bank ballpark on Sunday. Yep, uh, always uh, Pete Rose controversial. And a lot of that, uh, I think, is one of the reasons why he's not in the Hall of Fame. And he, with all his uh, stats, he's duly earned it, uh, but uh, don't know if he'll ever get in. Uh, elsewhere, a little bit, uh, Little League. They got 12 games on um, in the regional tournaments ahead of the Little League World Series, uh, some on ESPN, some on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, continuing uh, through that, uh, Jeff. Uh, Louisiana team eliminated. Yes, it was. That it was. Uh, 
Also, um, just looking for some other little stip-ins here. Uh, of course, we talked a little bit about the Saints. Uh, LSU picks up a big recruit in the meantime. Uh, uh, Simpson, uh, out of uh, Catholic High Baton Rouge, uh, committed to the Tigers. I think he's a five-star recruit. Uh, I don't know if that's the first or the second one that uh, Coach uh, Kelly has brought in, but uh, football recruiting uh, starting to heat up as the season's getting ready to start up. Uh, a little bit more on the Saints camp. Michael Thomas uh, hits another benchmark in his return from his ankle injury. They say he's looking really good, too, at practice. Elsewhere, C.J. Gardner-Johnson training camp absence excused. Another Saint being excused. In that regard, uh, Matthew is back. Uh, Tyrone Matthew is back with the Saints. So uh, hopefully he's practicing hard and uh, working out. Um, you talked all about Abraham Smith. Amy, the prove the Saints were right when they signed him for $222,000. Demario Davis meets with uh, 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 some of the cancer victims in New Orleans. So a little bit of news on the Saints. And uh, uh, come this Saturday night, they'll be kicking it off at 7 o'clock. Uh, I'm sure one of the local stations will have uh, the game on. Not sure which one. And as we talked about Kiko Alonso retiring after a day after resigning with the Saints. So uh, anyway, um, pretty much about it, Jeff. Don't know if you have any more headlines there for us. Now, you hit on uh, the Saints headlines I looked at. A couple of uh, other headlines. Oklahoma wide receivers coach Cale Gundy. Have you heard about this? Okay. Announced his resignation after reading a shameful and hurtful word displayed on a player's iPad during a team meeting last week. Apparently, Gundy, who's served as an assistant coach uh, since 1999, is alma mater. And that's through a few head coaches, too. Uh, oh, yes. He has survived uh, one uh, administration to the next. But he'd been there since 1999. He released a statement. And I'm, I'm going to share this. It's long, but I think it's worth okay. talking about. He tweeted this response. And, and you've got to pay attention to some of the wording here. He says, I moved to Norman fresh out of high school in 1990. It feels like I never left. I've devoted nearly all my adult life to Oklahoma football. My children graduated from OU. So did my wife. For almost three decades, this university has been my home. These players have been my family. Today, with great anguish, I announce my resignation. I apologize to those who are disappointed by this news. I owe it to Sooner Nation to be transparent about what led to this decision. Last week, during a film session, I instructed my players to take notes. I noticed a player was distracted and picked up his iPad and read aloud the words that were written on his screen. Keep in mind, he's reading what this player had put on his iPad. He said, and I'm getting back to his uh, direct tweet, the words displayed had nothing to do with football. One particular word that I should never under any circumstance have uttered was displayed on that screen i'm i'm guessing it's the n-word but he doesn't say okay in the moment i did not even realize what i was reading and as soon as i did i was horrified i want to be very clear the words i read aloud from that screen were not my words what i said was not malicious it wasn't even intentional still i'm mature enough to know that the word i said was shameful and hurtful no matter my intentions the unfortunate reality is that Someone in my position can cause harm without ever meaning to do so. In that circumstance, a man of character accepts accountability. I take responsibility for my mistake. I apologize. The The, the statement goes on, but uh, uh-huh. I, I think that says a lot about, uh, one, his character, but two, it's unfortunate that all he's doing is, in, instead of shaming the kid for writing it, and being distracted, he takes the blame. And, well, I, I respect that. I'm not sure if I'd accept the resignation. Yeah, yeah because... All he, unfortunate that situation is overall. Yeah. Again, you know, there's too many times I read stuff and I don't pre-read it. And I get to I get to an expletive. And I, you know, I've been doing this long enough that I will see a word written that I glance over sure. that I shouldn't read on the radio because, you know, we've got this broadcast license and they frown upon certain words. But it, it's going to slip on occasion, maybe. But, yeah. And I hopefully it doesn't. But that's all he did. Yeah. And, well, the guy's been there 
Yeah, he's the longest tenured coach in the uh, in the Pac-12. It's amazing. Oh, that should say Big the Big 12. 12. Yeah. Excuse me. Soon to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Anyway, uh, it's really a shame, and uh, and it just shows you, like you said, the character. But uh, uh, I'm not so sure I would have would not have pres- uh, taken his resignation. You know, he's the younger brother of the coach up at Oklahoma State. Uh, and has oh, been. Oh, true. Yeah, I didn't even make that connection. Yeah, and uh, he, um, uh, why he uh, did that, not sure. Reading a tablet off of one of the other players, uh, and uh, I guess just trying to shame the player is what I think. And uh, uh, like you said, I'm not so sure that the players should have gotten up and apologized for not listening uh, in, yeah. the, in, the, in the study period and, uh, and it. Just uh, you have to commend him, but uh, who knows uh, why was he talked to about this? I don't know. Head coach Brent Venable did say in a statement, it's with sadness that I accept Coach Gundy's resignation. He has dedicated more than half of his life to Oklahoma football and has served our program and university well. We're thankful for that commitment. We also acknowledge that in stepping aside, he has placed the program in the welfare of our student-athletes first. In coaching and in life, we're all accountable for our actions and the resulting outcomes. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't buy into that statement. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if there's something more to it than that. I just don't know. Uh, the only way uh, he tendered his resignation, uh, I guess, with uh, I don't know who else was in the room at that particular time in the meeting. Well, he's the wide receivers coach, so you would imagine. A graduate assistant, maybe, yeah. or uh, some of the players, or possibly another coach, uh, an offensive coordinator, possibly, but. Anyway, um, he's resigned in Oklahoma. Uh, they probably have enough coaches. They'll just move someone up, possibly, uh, or who knows. Uh, they might go out and hire somebody. Not so sure about that. Sorry to hear that. Just sad, but uh, it happens uh, a lot in uh, I, in I, sports. You know, since he's been there that long, hopefully he's got a decent pension with Oklahoma, uh, the state, uh, because he's been a state employee, I'm assuming. Right having worked at the University of Oklahoma, a public school. Yeah, you're right about that. So uh, anyway, uh, we'll see what transpires with that uh, in the next uh, uh, few days. But uh, right now he resigned his position. The coach took his uh, resignation uh, in in tow. So uh, he's retired or will be looking for a job. I don't know that answer. Anyway, uh, uh, we probably need to go ahead and take yeah. a little break right now. You're listening to Kane Radio's Bayou Sports here on FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with more right after this. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main across from the shadows. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there Thursday night for Southern Jack Productions, and on Friday it's Cajun Company for the best of the Tesh red carpet after party. And the next day it's Classic Country Saturday night with Butch Bourgeois. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for the Saints and no bar with more outdoor seating. The Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's, now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s where opportunities are created, not waited on. That's the Danos difference. I've been here for 23 years. The opportunity for advancement within Danos was pretty evident early on in my career. They give you a lot of tools and training in order to learn the oil field industry. It has been an excellent ride for me. Join the team that does it different at danos.com. That's D-A-N-O-S.com. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a big Monday, August the 8th. 
A little news coming out of the NFL. Uh, the NFL asked uh, the on-field officials to focus more on uh, illegal contact uh, fouls during the 2022 season. And as I mentioned, a uh, uh, league spokesman confirmed Monday that the request could lead to an increase in such flags following a big drop in the 2021 season. Illegal contact refers to prohibitive contact by a defender. When the quarterback still has the ball and remains in the pocket, it's a five-yard penalty and results in an automatic first down. Officials flagged illegal contact an average of 97 times per season between 2002 and 2020, but that number dropped to 36 last season. Uh, The decrease prompted the NFL Competition Committee to include illegal contact among points of clarification, formerly known as points of emphasis for the 2022 season. In administering the illegal contact, officials must first identify the prohibited contact and then confirm the position of the ball and the quarterback. The committee encouraged officials to move more quickly uh, from the contact to the quarterback in order to better enforce the foul. Elsewhere, league sources surveyed by ESPN were a split on whether the wording of this year's illegal contact instructions will lead to spike in flags as occurred after the two previous points of emphasis for the foul. In 2014, flags uh, for illegal contact rose to 148 from 52 and 13, and in 2004 they rose from 191 uh, from uh, 79 in 2003. So, Jeff... uh, Another rule, we're going to see how much uh, that's coming into play with teams. Uh, and I'm not so sure that contact, well, I know. It leaves a little more discretion to the officials, but also, you know, what is forceable. Yeah. You know, what, what, um, and, and not once in the story I saw on this topic did they mention the offense. That's right. It's and, all defender, you know, defender, it, it, defender. It, it, often the, the, the offensive player, running backs, are taught to get low, and all of a sudden they go low, and when maybe the defensive player was already low, and it's the offensive player who really um, does the damage, and yeah. they never get flagged. For well, it. and even another significant point of this clarification for 2022 will be revolve around uh, roughing the Panther passer calls the competition committee has clarified that the contact of the helmet and below the knee area must be forcible in recognition that some officials have thrown flags for minor contact in recent seasons and as they do every summer official crews are visiting training camps to update players and coaches on all the new rules and clarifications so uh this is another one that comes into play going from uh, 100 plus down to 37 last year uh or right at 100 plus to 37 uh, and the NFL telling them to, uh, hey, look, fellas, y'all need to be more cognizant of this rule and put it in play more. And it uh, looks like that's going to happen and take place. So you'll see fans hollering and screaming. And the old, uh, <laughs> still think of uh, the old linebacker from the Steelers <laughs> and saying, oh, you got to put skirts on those quarterbacks. So, uh, man, just think about the beating some of those quarterbacks took in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and even into the 80s. And now uh, they're forcing this uh, rule uh, more uh, by the NFL office. And uh, we'll see how that all comes into play. So, I'm not uh, sure if Jim McMahon's kidney injury back in 1984 led to a lot of this. Uh, and it certainly led to that, uh, I'm not sure what the right term is, uh, but that area around the waist, the yeah. extra padding. Yeah, that safety-type belt. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it was almost like a, a, like a bulletproof light, yeah. jacket yeah. kind true, of thing, you true. know, where uh, you see the quarterbacks wearing those now to protect themselves from internal injuries. Drew Brees' was pretty prominent yeah, uh, when he, he, he did. suited up. Yeah, and that Jack Lambert, I'm sure, uh, is laughing today because, you know, like he said, he made that comment back in the 70s with all the rule changes and all quarterbacks and put skirts on them. And, uh, but we'll see. Uh, the NFL office uh, wants to protect, you know, the owners. You know, when they're paying these quarterbacks 200-plus million, 100 million, uh, they don't want to see them go down because of a, a useless injury that uh, should never have happened. But uh, and, and you've got to think, too, quarterbacks have put themselves in more peril dropping back and passing more than they did when they were handing the ball off in large part yeah. or, or running with the ball themselves. But they obviously at that point you know, you're subject to getting hit. But the fact is they you know, drop back. They try and avoid a, today's game where you do have quarterback who uh, loves to escape the pocket if need be. 
that uh, you're, you're going to have the potential for more injuries, so the idea of protecting them I don't think is a bad idea. No, I agree. And uh, hopefully uh, it'll all even out in the end uh, with regards to that. But, uh, you know, with uh, contact and automatic first down, so I'm sure it's going to keep a lot of drives alive this year. I'm not saying quarterbacks are not strong guys. Uh, They get to that level because they're pretty good athletes, obviously. But those guys on the other side of the line, maybe 100 pounds heavier than them, they're beasts. Uh, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, and, you know, with the quarterbacks, uh, basically, like you said, they are good athletes and all, and they are bigger and stronger today, but uh, getting hit by a 300-pound uh, defensive lineman uh, is not a whole lot of fun when he's coming at you snorting and snotting and everything else <laughs> trying to tackle you behind the line of scrimmage. So uh, we'll see how that, that, that's going to come into play this year. So, uh, And I'm sure it'll be enforced during the exhibition season coming up. And uh, we'll see how that'll play out But in due time. so, uh, But the uh, quarterbacks, uh, we'll see what happens. And like you said, they are running a lot more. And a lot more uh, quarterbacks uh, run pass options. You're seeing some of that in the NFL, so uh, which was strictly more college and high school, but uh, more fr- prevalent now in the NFL. One uh, NFL oddity, if you it, probably not unusual for a kicker to kick a 65-yard field goal in practice when there is no rush, right. when, when he is just teeing it up and, and kicking 65 yards. But when it's a safety for the Kansas City Chiefs doing it, that stands out. Yes, it does. It does. That Kansas it does. City uh, Chiefs safety Justin Reed posted a video of him hitting a 65-yard field goal you know, the accuracy, you can kick the ball that far, but finding it between those sticks yeah. is a different thing. Former uh, Texans defensive back, actually somewhat known for his kicking, last year he stepped in for kicker Kami Fairburn in a preseason game after Fairburn was injured in pregame warm-ups uh, again while he was in Houston. Kick wasn't in a game. Reed wasn't dealing with defenders trying to block it. Only one kicker hit a 65-yard or longer field goal last year in the NFL Justin Tucker with Baltimore converted game-winning record-setting 66-yard field goal against Detroit. Um, but you know, notable that uh, yeah. it's a safety doing it. Sure, sure. Anyway, but like you said, it's a little different, and they've got a lot of guys. Well, look at the kickoff guys. I mean, they're kicking the ball into the end zone. They're kicking yeah. off from the 30. That's 70-plus yards right there. You know. So, oh, yeah. But like you said, to hit it between the two sticks, and the two sticks uh, a lot narrower from high school to college to the NFL. So, yes. Uh, anyway, but yeah, it's it's a profession that uh, I can still hear Sean Payton. Uh, you here to make that kick, young man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Saints uh, had the field goal through the uprights to win the Super Bowl. But in the meantime, uh, Jeff, uh, we'll see if uh, and, uh, some of the other rules hadn't stayed up on that. Maybe that's something we need to pull up one morning and see what kind of rule changes are will be enforced here for the NFL in the coming season uh, in that regard so we can at least not be surprised when they make the calls. And uh, and we're going, oh, I didn't know that. So yeah. there, there's some rule changes. We'll need to maybe look that up for one of our shows uh, down the road. There you go. Well, quickly, a um, couple of uh, NFL notes. Cleveland Browns deny Kareem Hunt's trade request as the running back is seeking a new deal. Kind of felt disrespected, but Cleveland said, no, we're keeping you. He was in practice uh, participating yesterday, but uh, not uh, pleased uh, to be where Yeah, that's uh, something we should bring up in in February or March or something like that. If he's not happy about it, instead of waiting, you're already in practice, and I don't want to stand that. So, anyway... Now, if you're holding out, I get holding out uh, sure. this time of year because that's when. I mean, you don't have as much leverage in May as you do in July and August. But, uh, again, uh, yeah, you're right. Once uh, practice begins, uh, buy into it. Yeah, you're right about that. So uh, we'll see how that all comes into play uh, in the meantime. So, and uh, a lot going on in the NFL so right now. So, uh well, Saints uh, kicking it off, as we mentioned, come uh, come Saturday night. Uh, high school football is in full swing again. Uh, a lot of these young men out there practicing in the heat. Of course, the weather hadn't been too bad. A lot of rain showers in the afternoon to cool things off. So uh, hopefully um, we'll have another coach on for us during the week and, uh, and find out how teams are going. And like you said, uh, hopefully we correct our little issue we had uh, maybe – 
speaking through a landline probably won't be advantageous for us. So, uh, so we want to have that uh, clarity or the, or the, I should say, the clarity we can clear up. There you go. And before we take the break, uh, apparently LSU has decided on who's going to wear number 18. Goes to a high-character leader, uh, LSU coach Brian Kelly teased in an announcement saying we're going to award it to a deserving player. We're just not going to do that today, but it's coming. Stay tuned. Spoke Saturday, speaking to the team after its uh, third preseason practice in a video later posted on social media. He reached into a plastic bag, pulled out a white number 18 uniform customized for junior edge rusher B.J. Ogilary. So that's who might be wearing uh, I, I'm guessing the that 18. is the case, yeah. Yeah, the first one I can remember when they used that uh, was Hester wearing 18 back in the mid to... Uh, 2003. Yeah, late. Uh, oh, I thought it was even earlier than that uh, with 18 as being their number. I'm trying to recall what number our local uh, uh, player, uh, Mr. Boutte, is going to wear this year. I think he was said seven. Was, yeah, and he was honored to wear seven because yeah. uh, of its tradition as yeah, a key fun, offensive fun, player. No, and uh, a lot of those guys had Fournette. Uh, Fournette had worn it along with uh, some other players of a distinction for the Tigers. So, uh, and while I get those honors and traditions, I, I like my number and I like to stick with it. You know, uh, be known and, and used to wearing that one number. Although it is a great uh, honor. It is, it is. And you slap a C on their jersey or something yeah, for captain. Yeah, yeah, we've uh you know, we talked about that a few times uh with Reggie Bush when he came into the NFL. He wanted to wear number five, traditionally a number he's worn most of his uh uh, life playing football, and uh, the NFL told him no. But yet this year, in the last now couple they years, can now they yep that's right. So certain linemen still have to wear certain numbers, but yeah. quarterbacks, uh, skilled players can pretty much wear anything they want. Now. That's right, and even now they have a uh, but they have to announce at least a year ahead that they want to change their numbers so that Nike or whoever at the time is manufacturing these jerseys. Mainly for retail sale, sure. not so much for game day uh, jerseys for the player themselves, but for retail sales, you know, people don't want to buy a jersey. And again, you and I own a lot of jerseys, and most of our jerseys are historical players. Um, true. They're not changing. Gail Sayers is not going to change his number at this point. But some people, you know, I, I remember getting a Mark Ingram jersey that was 22. Eight and he changed initially, it to twenty-two, that's right, that's or was it right. vice versa? I initially forget. twenty-eight and changed it to twenty-two. So I had an Ingram twenty-eight jersey. Was I offended? No. Yeah, and then yeah. he went to fourteen and didn't keep that because Andy Dalton, who was yeah. had more, I guess, seniority. I don't know how they do that. Or already on the team, and Ingram took. Uh, I think he's going to be wearing five this year. Yeah, uh, single digits. Yeah, so. will I still wear my Chris Bryant Cub jersey because he's not with the Cubs? Yes, I still will because it's really more about the team than the player. It is always. So. It is. It is. But anyway, anyway I, I do, I do respect though the NFL and in this case Nike the request. Hey, at least give us a year, you know, so we don't manufacture all these and nobody wants to buy. A, you know, whatever. I'm sure there are a lot of LeBron, Cleveland, and Miami jerseys running around, oh, yeah. too, not just the Lakers in that regard. So, um, anyway, um, yeah, just when players uh, have jerseys now. Hey, Drew Brees, he wore 15 in college and went to nine with the Saints, uh, and, and I believe also with the uh, Chargers due to the fact that uh, that was Ted Williams' number, and he <laughs> he wanted to. Uh, his favorite player was Ted Williams. Of course, Brees wasn't even born when Ted Williams retired. No, no. So I don't know how that comes into mind. Well, I certainly so. respect. For, yeah, absolutely. If not the best hitter in baseball all time. Oh, you're right. So, anyway, but uh, players selected, sometimes their birthdays, sometimes numbers that uh, it's just strange how they select them, but they do do that. And, uh, Maybe he had the Ted Williams Sears line of athletic equipment <laughs> That's back right. when he was a kid. That's right. Uh, remember those Sears and Roebuck uh, catalogs were good to three inches thick. Uh, no doubt. Anyway, great for Christmas time. So dreaming as a young man. What uh, what can I, Santa bring me? You know, the, the worst thing for me as a kid, uh, my birthday's in January, mid-January, by the way. You can mark that down. Uh, but then Christmas, three weeks apart, and it's in the dead of winter in Chicago. So we'd get a new glove, and it's like you wanted to use it right away, but you knew the snow wasn't going to melt for another three months. Oil it up, 
put a ball in it, tie it, put it under your mattress for three months, and hopefully it emerges uh, ready to go then when the snow melts. Yeah, don't Uh, put too much oil, that's for sure. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and uh, take our next break here this morning on uh, Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with Today in Sports History, August 8th. Right after this. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadow. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy With more than 50 years of pain diagnosis and pain relief experience, Headache and Pain Center offers the latest in interventional pain relief techniques at two locations in Gray and here in New Iberia. Compassionate board certified physicians and the caring staff offer minimally invasive ultrasound and fluoroscopy guided procedures that diminish or eliminate pain without open surgery, opioids, or major downtime. When you're in pain, you know who to call. Headache and Pain Center, 337-560-0880 or go to answer to pain.com a game without a crowd is just a scrimmage a performance without an audience is just a rehearsal without your presence high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in louisiana purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance This message presented by the LHSAA and the Louisiana High School Athletic Directors Association. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here August the 8th and today in sports history. In the year 1900, the first International Lawn Tennis Challenge, which is the predecessor to the Davis Cup, begins at the Longwood Cricket Club in Massachusetts. It won 3 nothing by the U.S. over the British Isles. Elsewhere in 1920, Tigers defeat the Yankees 1-0 in the shortest game in AL history, 73 minutes. One hour and 13 minutes, a nine-inning game. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. Yesterday, the Cubs were delayed by uh, rain. Okay. They started about an hour after the Yankees-Cardinal game. The Cub game ended in the sixth inning of the Yankee game. That thing was like the longest nine inning. Yeah, they game. started at one fifteen. They didn't stop till five forty five or somewhere. Unbelievable. In there. Yeah, just um, you're right. Unbelievable. Elsewhere, uh, in uh, nineteen forty six, the Dreyfus family, owners of the Pittsburgh Pirates since nineteen hundred, sell the club to Frank McKinney and John Galbraith. And, and Bing Crosby was also a purchaser in that in 1946. Uh, this has to be a misprint for $25 million. Uh, Steinbrenner bought the Yankees in 73 for uh, $10 million, So I'm guessing it's $2.5 million here instead of $25 million. But Bing Crosby. Yeah, no, absolutely. Bing Crosby owned some of the Pirates back then. Also, uh, around that time, Bob Hope owned a share in the Indians. Uh, the Did, future didn't Danny Kaye have some of the Seattle uh, club he, he, I think he was the majority owner of the yeah. Seattle club. The, the Pilots. No, no, I'm thinking the the new one, the Mariners. Oh no, he was he was originally with the Pilots. At, uh, okay. The Pilots in seventy sixty nine. I want to say, and then uh, didn't stay there long, and they moved to uh, Milwaukee. Yeah. Elsewhere in 1950, Florence Chadwick, a woman, swims the English Channel in 13 hours and 23 minutes. That's about 18 to 20 miles. Elsewhere in 1970, the Yankees honor Casey Stengel retiring his number 37. Uh, all-time, put it up there on the Yankee board. In 1976, the White Sox suit up in shorts, Bill Veck. Mm-hmm. He's at it again. <laughs> Bill Veck put the put the White Sox in white shorts. And Why? The, and the jerseys had collars. That's right. That year. Uh, Symbolizing some earlier right. predated 1900 uh, shirts and uh, And the players pants. were embarrassed to wear them. Yeah, they were. They were. 
Anyway, elsewhere, in 1984, Carl Lewis wins the third gold medal over the LA Olympics, joining Kirk Baptiste and Thomas Jefferson in the American sweep of the 200 meters. In 1985, baseball's new agreement permits two new NL teams in 93. Of course, that was the Diamondbacks who won the World Series in 01 and the Florida Marlins who won it in 97 and 03. And, uh, wow, I know Houston fans were screaming here. There were two new franchises come in, and they went playing the World Series before the Astros even uh, hit the field. Anyway, uh, elsewhere, in 1988, the Cubs and the Phillies attempt to play the first night game ever at Wrigley Field, but it rained out in the fourth inning with Chicago leading 3-1. to one. Of course, the game was actually postponed after four innings due to rain, so the first official game, which was in lights, uh, were used at Wrigley Field, came the following day when the Cubs beat the Mets 6-4. to four. I uh, think that was the baseball gods. Yeah, no them. doubt about it. Well, that's what we all thought uh, watching that game. Uh, I remember... I was on RA um, in a private dorm on campus there, and uh, we were all huddled in my room because I had the biggest TV. In fact, I bought it in 84 when the Cubs made the playoffs for the first time in my lifetime. So we all huddled in my my room, and we kind of celebrated the rain out. Um, It was ridiculous, uh, but as you mentioned, they... Then played a night game the next night too. Yeah, the baseball gods uh, just didn't want the Cubs. Originally, to play. only eighteen night games were allowed. Okay, they they were only permitted. Yeah, and that because of the city, maybe well, uh, the, the neighborhood. Okay, that's because what I it is okay. nestled within a, a neighborhood. It would be like putting a ballpark where Bullany Platt. Well, maybe even more so, like on St. Peter, the corner of St. Peter and Center Street. Yeah, it'd be like putting a major league stadium there. A lot of bars, restaurants, it's gentrified over the years. Uh, but uh, only 18 games and mainly weekday games. Um, they played very few night games. And it was all uh, pushed by Pete Uberoff. Oh, okay, the commissioner. Because he, after 84, and the Cubs had to play all their home games during the day, the networks didn't like that. They wanted right. primetime games. And I remember writing Peter Uberoff in 85, telling him it was a shame he was forcing the Cubs to do this. But anyway, it happened, and it's overall, it's probably been best. Anyway, uh, uh, maybe this is why Pete Rose had uh, some uh, repercussions yesterday, you know, or over the weekend at, at Philadelphia. In 1990, he begins his five-month prison term at Marion, which was a federal prison up in Illinois. <laughs> so maybe he had some uh, flashbacks of that uh, in this day. Tax issues, I think. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. He wasn't reporting his autograph signings. There he I think it was. <laughs> anyway, uh, but he was going to go ahead and sign a 1,000 baseballs, Jesse, for forgiveness. Elsewhere in 1992, on this date, the U.S. Dream Team wins the college wins the college wins the basketball gold medal at the Barcelona Olympics with a 117-85 win over Croatia. Of course, those superstars: Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Scottie Pippen, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, John Stockton, uh, Carl Malone, Dave Robinson, Clyde Drexler, Chris Mullen, and of course, the College Player of the Year, Christian Leitner, made up that Dream Team back in '92. And I remember reading somewhere John Stockton who. Who was a small in stature? Consider all these guys. He could walk around in peace. Nobody recognized him over in Barcelona, so he didn't have all the problems that the others did because of their size. Elsewhere in '97, Mariners Randy Johnson strikes out 19 Chicago White Sox on this date. In 2004, John Elway is inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And in on this date, or maybe a little bit earlier on this date in 2021. Um, our own New Iberia's Morgan Lolo Romero competed in the pole vault in the 32nd Olympic Games over in Japan. So uh, uh, that that was another important date we can all remember. Kane Radio uh, try, trying to broadcast there from uh, the Quarter Tavern early in the morning. Uh, Jeff, we know we were part of it, and hopefully, uh, I don't know if Miss Lolo or Miss Romero, Ms. Romero, I should say, will compete in the next Olympiad. But it was good to see our first Iberian compete in the Olympics over in Japan uh, last year. Elsewhere, today's birthday, Jerry the Tark Tarkanian, the basketball coach uh, at UNLV and also California State, uh, celebrates a birthday today. Uh, elsewhere, 1947, Ken Dryden, and correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't he and Al Michaels doing the uh, Miracle on Ice game? Was it Ken Dryden was the uh, analyst for that game? With, I uh, could not tell you. With uh, I thought he was uh, with in that game. So uh, anyway, he's celebrating a birthday day today also in 1953 born on this date sweet lou dunbar former basketball player with the harlem Globetrotters, born in minden louisiana 
1981, Roger Federer. Uh, there's another birthday, a tennis uh, star from Switzerland, uh, 20 Grand Slams, born in Switzerland. And the quota today by Roger Simon, or Seymour, a columnist up in Chicago. Putting lights on Wrigley Field is like putting aluminum siding on the Sistine Chapel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, you go, Jeff, that's uh, today's in sports history. Very good. Uh, again, another edition of Bayou Sports in the Works. Again, our apologies uh, to Coach Ryan Antoine, uh, the technical problems we had. Not sure if it was on our end or his end, but either way, uh, we'll try and make it better for tomorrow when we check in with Coach Terry Martin at Lauraville yeah. at about 8 o'clock tomorrow. Yeah, should see, uh, should see uh, Lauraville had a great year last year and uh, has a few returning stars and lost a couple good players or a few good players off of last year's team. We'll see what Coach Martin has to say about his team for the upcoming season. No doubt about it. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, Bayou Sports, brought to us in part by the Headache and Pain Center, Schwing Insurance, Cane Row Golf and Turf Club, the Quarter Tavern, and L.A. Classic Roofing. News is up next, and then Lee Kane, the Breakfast Club, uh, coming up in just a few. News brought to us by David Funeral Homes. You're listening to KANE 1240 AM and K298CQ 107.5 FM, New Iberia. The voice of the Tash. (laughs) 